Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Martin Bayfield, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. On this week's show, we welcomed Welsh brothers-in-arms Jonathan and James Davis to look ahead to the start of the Champions Cup. Here's the best of our Rugby Tonight insight and analysis from Craig Doyle, Brian O'Driscoll, Lawrence Delalio, and our studio guests. Good to have you here, boys. How was the journey up? I heard it was a busy old, busy old journey up, was it? Yeah, only the five hours for me for, oh. from Cardiff, so... Uh... Yeah, no, uh, it was a bit of a rush, but glad to see your faces now. Yeah, well, it's good to have you. Been here two minutes complaining already. Yeah, we see you walking in together, big smiles on your faces. How's this bro- brotherly reunion going at the Scarlets between you two? Uh, all right at the moment, early days still to go. Um, we haven't thrown each other out off the balcony yet in our flat. And yeah, it's, it's nice to play with them, obviously. Um, I think Mum's a bit worried about us. It's good, he's, he's come back in, he's realised the pecking order, so... He's come back into the bottom. So he, <laughs> and what right is there. that pecking order? <laughs> well, I'm close to the top. But, you know, he's come straight at the bottom. He knows his role at the minute. So hopefully he can work his way back up. Hang on, I know you have a sister who keeps you both in tow because that's how it works in families, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think she's the boss. <laughs> <to be fair, laughs> Absolutely. Though, Rachel, yeah. And how often have you guys actually played rugby together? Has it, has it been right the way through your, your rugby careers or is this something new? Oh, definitely not. It was, I think the first game together. For the Scarlets, wasn't it? For the Scarlets. Yeah, so. so, yeah, ne- never happened before. Only in the back garden against each other, where I was champ, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, who was tough? When you were kids, who was, who was like the tougher kid? Well, he always had a bit of size on me, but um, you know, he always had the heart, I think. <laughs> he was the Jack Russell, right? <laughs> <laughs> your heart's with you, not only wearing your sleeve, but on your knuckles as well, because there is a, uh, a fantastic. I want you to show this to, to the camera here. Uh, Which one? That one? Uh, I think two. Just put them up like that to camera one there, if you could, please. Yeah, have a look at those, because there's a, a very, very good story. Oh, that one over there with the light on, right? Uh, tell us the story uh, about these tattoos. What happened there? Um, yeah, it's quite a long story, but basically, you know, it involved a pool party, um, some good mates. Uh, and Vegas. Okay, you have to tell this story. Okay. So yourself, Castro Giovanni, Ibrahim. Go on, tell us exactly what happened. Yeah, so me and Castro went off the tattoo bar. <laughs> no, so basically, Reese Priestland, I think, has been on the show before. Um, he bet me about £1,000, I think it was, to go and have it done. And um, the story came out in the pool party. And next thing, next thing you know, I'm in a taxi on my own to a tattoo parlour. And then I wake up with cubby boy when I was. <laughs> so yeah. How was not... that? How was that hangover? <laughs> yeah, I've had better days. It was the it was the, the day the World Cup squad got announced as well, and I found out I wasn't in that. So 
Yeah, I've had, I've had better days, I've got to say. Explain the nickname, Cubby Boy, and yours as well, Fox, but you, you, go, you go first. Uh, so basically, uh, we grew up in a pub called the Fox and Hounds, and you know, being the older brother, naturally the Fox, and being the younger brother, naturally the Cub. So, um, you know, in Wales, if someone calls your name, they often say boy after it, so, you know, most people in Wales call me Cubby Boy, so... Uh, we, we were brought up in a pub, and in, in, West, in West Wales, like, you either... It's where you're from, so like if you're Welsh and you're from a farm, you get like uh, John the Warren Farm or like being brought up in a pub, so it's John Fox, so it's, it could have been a lot worse nicknames. Well, you've met Brian O'Driscoll, Weatherspoon boy there, have you? Wine bar man myself. Lawrence Blood. Wine bar Delaney. It kind of works. It kind of works. It so works. Now, you must could be so used to, to, to your big brother grabbing all the headlines, but this has been a summer where you have grabbed the headlines. This has been a summer to remember. Yeah, like you said, definitely one to remember. Um, you know, just get. The honour to play and represent GB was fantastic and, you know, maybe we overachieved in what we achieved in Rio, but, um, you know, it's the best journey I've ever been on and, you know, it was, it was incredible just to be a part of it. What was the whole experience like? Because the lads seemed to enjoy it so much and there didn't seem to be nerves there. It seemed to be like a celebration from day one. Is that, was that how it um, felt Yeah, like, you know, at the end of the day, you're representing Team GB, so you've got to celebrate that. And you go into the Olympics, you become an Olympian. So, you know, you're celebrating the whole process. But then, obviously, to, to come together as a squad so well, like we did, I think, you know, which was the most special part for me. And, you know, I think that was the key to our success in the end. So was there a little bit of envy that, this, that your brother is an Olympian? Because that's an amazing title, isn't it? We're having this, like, wherever we do things out together, there's always people asking who's done better and stuff. So, like, I've been very fortunate in my career. You know, I wouldn't change a thing, and he probably wouldn't change a thing. But, like, being out in Rio supporting him was great. And, um, yeah, to think of him getting, like, a silver medal, I just couldn't get my head around. Um, but chuffed a bit for him, to be honest. Um, he thoroughly deserved it. Uh, Brian, a, a word in the boys, particularly Jonathan, obviously plays in your position as well. Um, Should we uh, step in between you? If you could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't we? We're, we're the best of enemies. <laughs> Talk us through that photograph up there, bud. We obviously had some great days, and he had some great days with Jamie then after that. <laughs> and, he for, and he forgot me very quickly, but, you know, we had... Um, we had fun on that line, so we actually roomed together for a few weeks, so yeah. we got on really well. And um, unfortunately, we were we were both 13s trying to play 12 and 13, and it, the combination didn't really work. And uh, your man came along, and they had a stormer in the third test, so it's it's hard to argue with it. So long as that's not you with the rubber glove on your hand, then we're all okay. <laughs> <laughs>So after six rounds of Premiership Rugby, things begin to take shape a little bit. Saracens back in the top spot. That's like where they like to kind of hang out at the moment. Wasps in second. Bath and Leicester. You know, Leicester would say it hasn't been a vintage season so far. They're still in the top four. That's just the way they operate. Congratulations to Newcastle Falcons. Six games in, sitting in six, top half of the table. And Dean Richards really doing great things up there at the moment. A nice move for Sale as well, hovering around that point. Harlequins up into eighth. They went into the weekend in 11th, so they're slowly moving upward. Not the case for North. Northampton Saints. Bristol Rugby still at the bottom, two losing bonus points, but in the second half of the weekend they did score 14 unanswered points, so there are some positives there for the new boys back into the Premiership this season, base. Positives for them, Positive. not many positives for Northampton Saints. Ugo had to suffer this way last weekend, talking about Harlequins. They got the victory this time out. 
Lawrence, let's talk about Northampton Saints. They are not where they want to be. They're probably not where people expect them to be. What do you think is going wrong with my old boys? Well, it's difficult to put your, your finger on it, really. I mean, they're a side, obviously, that are used to being in the top four competing for the trophy. And I think, you know, Jim Manander feels that they've taken a step back. Um, I think their recruitment has been limited um, in the last couple of seasons where other clubs have really recruited heavily. So I think what Northampton have is a, a very strong starting 15, but not necessarily the strength in depth. And they're turning to the bench and looking at what is very young players. Now, that will hopefully come to fruition in a few years' time. But at the moment, when you're looking for that impact off the bench, they can't really turn to that experience. And I think the way that Northampton play, you know, suits someone like Louis Picamore, who they've recruited, but they just need people to get them over the game line. And I, I don't think they have necessarily the personnel to play the way that they're trying to play the game. We'll talk about the impact of the big ball carriers because it's interesting looking at the teams that are doing really well at the moment. That is a major, major plus for them. But let's hear from Jim Mallander. He's the most experienced coach in the Aviva Premiership. This is what he has to say about his boys. I think we've taken a step backwards today, um, quite clearly from that performance. It wasn't acceptable, it wasn't good at all. And uh, we need to improve very, very quickly this week. Strong. Yeah, it is strong. You're saying they're taking a backward step. Uh, Brian, what about this thing about ball carriers? Um, Saracens have got them a plenty. Saints have got it in Louis Pickamon. He's settled in very well. He's playing very well indeed. But he seems to be their only big ball carrier. Are we seeing now the era of, of the big mobile ball carrier controlling games? Yeah, I th and the thing is, I think you need multiple ball carriers. You know, I think teams now, in, in, the, in the weeks leading up to games, they identify players like Pickamon and they, and they try and pick on him and they double team and, and triple team to make sure that he, they stop their go forward there. If you can have two and three um, really strong ball carriers, even with small little tip-ons. They seem to be mm. sending one-out runners and it's easy target for a defence. Whereas if you can have little tip-ons and, and little plays out the back, just get defences thinking a little bit more. And I don't think Northampton are doing that. And certainly from a Leinster perspective, before we get into Europe, uh, you know, I don't think Franklin's Garden quite feels like the fortress it once was. And so I don't think away teams going there feel the fear that, th that they once did. Now I see how Danny Kerenuk and Monia felt last week. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not easy. I'll give you a positive, though. I'll give you a positive. Isn't it interesting, boys, how George North has kind of risen through this mire at the moment and he's played really well the week before last, created the most wonderful try. It's always nice to see him getting good uh, as November's creeping up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, George, obviously, a confidence player and he's such a huge threat and you know, having been able to play with him is always a joy when he's on form like that. And, you know, they obviously look at him to really give him go forward and they probably want to get him on the ball as much as they can, really. You mentioned autumn, autumn tests coming up and obviously England had a camp. You may have heard about it, a couple of minor injuries, nothing to talk about, but obviously a lot of controversy about it. We're going to delve into that in just a moment, but talk me through a Wales mini-camp. What happens there? Is it as intense as physical? Um, well, there's no judo or tai chi or anything like that, really. Um, we try and get on the field because we've been away from each other and uh, we just try and get on the field, get the ball through our hands, getting uh, familiarity back together. And they obviously work us very hard, um, but they, they try and keep that on the field, really. So it's, it, it's tough. Like, everyone wants to get to the top now, and you, you really got to start with training as well, then. Because the Premiership directors of rugby have not been happy at all. This is what they have to say. Really disappointed that, you know, we had to find out the way that we did. You know, it was only after they left the camp we found out they actually had a broken jaw. So. Yeah, disappointed. You know, you never want to lose players um, in a game situation, but to lose, to lose them at training is obviously really disappointing. We've got to work together on it. 
it's, it's not a big brother situation. We're not more important than them, and they're not more important than us. But moving forward, let's review it. Let's look how we can do it better. But the important thing is we need to stick together. It's difficult, isn't it? Because Eddie's got his agenda to get them right for test matches. Um, we've got uh, you know, to get our agenda right for playing Premiership and obviously into Europe. So look, guys get injured, that's the game. Um, look, it's uh, you pay your money and take your choice, and that's what England do. Todd Blackadder there kicking those interviews off, talking about the injury to Anthony Watson, coming back to train, finding out that he had a broken jaw. But Lawrence, certainly Di Young and Richard Cockrell being fairly diplomatic about the situation. Are they right to approach it that way? Yeah, I think so. It's a partnership. You know, there's, a, there's an agreement between the RFU and the, and the professional clubs, uh, you know, in terms of player release, in terms of player welfare. Um, but obviously the detail of that needs to be discussed in, you know, a bit more. Um, personally, I just think it's bad luck. You know, players do get injured in training. To have three quite serious injuries like that, long-term injuries, is, is unfortunate. But I do think it's bad luck. I mean, Eddie Jones doesn't want to injure players. You know, you get very limited time with international players. But you, I guess you've just got to be a little bit careful, particularly going into big European games and especially off the back of, of big premiership games. You can't do too much when you're in those camps. Sorry, do you think there's a bit of a statement from Eddie Jones saying, England sessions, I'm not going to let you sit in your comfort zone? Yeah, probably so, just knowing Eddie's style and seeing it over the last year or so. Um, I think it's a combination of bad luck, but also him setting down a marker that, you know, England, England camp, when you come in, it's not easy street. You work hard and it's meant to get more difficult here. And we're going to make sure that you earn your spot in the squad and in, and in the team. And as a result, I think he did get some unfortunate luck with some big injuries, and it's probably been, been blown out of proportion a little bit more than perhaps it should have. Interesting the line from Richard Cockle, though. They paid 200 million quid as part of this EPS deal, you know, so you've kind of paid for it, and that's what happens. But they are meeting with Eddie, I think, on tomorrow, is it, on Thursday, to yeah, discuss yeah, it all. James, give us a kind of an overview. Everyone's getting quite excited about it over here. What, what do you make of it all? Well, you know, I, I rag him around the flat every week, so uh, <laughs> he never gets injured. So, <laughs> so like you said, I think it's just a bit unlucky, to be honest. Um, you know, the, you've got to train hard for international rugby, and, you know, if judo's part of that programme, you've got to get on with it. So, um, you know, unlucky, unfortunate for those boys, but, you know, that's, that's the nature of the game. You're thinking, injure as many as you want, lads. Well, at really Claremont, yeah. we did wrestling sometimes, and I hated that. It wasn't fun at all. So, <laughs> so you know, different conditioning staff, different coaches have different aspects where they want to try. Even train for it, and he couldn't beat me. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the running You've got to play together next week, lads, yeah. okay? So, you know, save a bit of it. So all the domestic leagues come to a close as European rugby kicks off and the road to the final in Edinburgh starts 50 miles away at Scotston in Glasgow as Gregor Townsend Warriors take on two times champions, the Leicester Tigers. We will be there on Friday from 7 o'clock. Make sure you're there for the start of this European campaign. Wasps should have an easier job of things against Zebra at the Rico. And then we start our first game of our Saturday Triple Bill. As three times champions Toulon welcome the team who took their crown, Saracens. That's from 2.45. Then we move to Dublin and the RDS as Leinster take on Castro. Northampton Saints look to re-energise their season against last season's Challenge Cup camp, uh, champions, the longer box of Montpellier. Connacht take on Toulouse. And then, of course, we are down at Parker Scarlets as the Scarlets take on Sale Sharks. Bordeaux take on Ulster. 
Racing Metro take on Munster. And that's going to be a weird one for Ronan O'Gara, trying to plot the downfall of his famous old club. And then on Sunday, of course, it's extra Chiefs at Sandy Park as they take on Claremont. Some absolutely stunning games for you to enjoy. A very, very exciting time when European rugby kicks off. Exciting time for the whole organisation. And earlier, Craig spoke to the chairman of EPCR, Simon Halliday. Simon, we're delighted to get the old Challenge Cup and Champions Cup out of the cupboard again and put them on show. Fabulous trophies. And the competition, well, it's a big year for it, isn't it? Because maybe the Pro 12 clubs were kind of settling in last year with a slight eyebrow raise. Where do you think they are now with the whole thing? Well, you know, last year was, was clearly a, a period of transition. And since the new organisation stepped up, uh, you know, we've had a lot of adjustment to do, new locations, new structures, new formats. But I think as we approach this season, there is an unprecedented level of excitement. Uh, I think everyone is looking forward to it. It's not a World Cup year, so everyone is fresh coming in. And there are some amazing uh, matches just in front of us. And you know, I was struck by a comment today by Jake White, you know, one of the world's best coaches, who's compared Champions Cup rugby to test match rugby. And, you know, that's really exciting. Interesting. Bafes, I know, did the launch here in London. I did the one in Dublin where I met you there. And uh, there was a buzz about it, an increased buzz from the media as well, because the Irish media in particular were quite sceptical about the tournament. Do you think they've turned a corner? They are very keenly aware of how they didn't perform last year. Uh, they're not looking to anything other than themselves. Uh, and, you know, Stuart Lancaster has been talking about Leinster being able to be anyone on their day. Everyone is pumped up about it. You know, Connacht have come into form now, having had a stuttering start to the season. So all four Irish provinces are up for it. The Davies brothers in with us tonight. They'll say, we need a Welsh winner. I mean, that's the dream, isn't it, for this tournament to be shared out, the trophies to be shared out amongst all the different countries. Is that, is that realistic? I think you'll see the Welsh steadily improve. Again, you know, Cardiff were one of the form teams last year, had a great start this year. Ospreys are pretty unhappy about not going through last year, and Scarlet's on their day have got a backline to test the whole of Europe. Except Zebra, perhaps. I mean, that's the one glitch, isn't it, that sits there. But an Italian team has to be in the tournament. Simple as that. You know, Conor O'Shea is now uh, the national coach. I know he's been around seeing Zebra and Treviso and talking to them. And, uh, you know, he's going to do a job with Mike Cat. And uh, I'm sure that Italian rugby uh, will be stronger. We need it to be stronger, not just in the Champions and Challenge Cup, but uh, in the Pro 12 and the Six Nations. Of course, this tournament's job is to entertain us all as fans and viewers at home, but it's also to spread the word about rugby. Is that working? Is it growing the game? How so? Yes, it definitely is. And I think everyone needs to know there's, there's three tournaments, three competitions. Uh, there's the qualifying tournament, which is about to be renamed and rebranded. The final of that tournament will be in Edinburgh this year, uh, alongside the other two finals. So that's Edinburgh hosting three finals. Uh, and that qualifying tournament's thrown up Timoshwara Saracens into the Challenge Cup this year, uh, alongside NSA, the Russian team. And there's another Russian team in the qualifying tournament. Worth mentioning that Spain got to the Olympic Sevens this year, knocking out Samoa, and they have a club in the qualifying tournament. So uh, there's a club from Belgium. There's a club from Germany. Uh, four million people from Germany watched the World Cup this year. You know, so we are out there pushing the boundaries and through merit, if they do well enough, they'll come up into the senior tournaments. And, you know, that's what we're all here for as well. Thank you so much for coming into us tonight. It's great to be here and we look forward to it. Speaks very well, doesn't he, Simon Halliday? Yeah, Absolutely nice passionate fella. about it. A man with so many nicknames from his playing career and he would not want me to mention anyone. My Give us one. My favourite on. one was Warwick Sweet because he was, he was playing for Harlequins and it was a team meeting and he was in the room in the hotel and he phoned up reception because there were no sandwiches, just picked up the phone. 
Hello, Warwick Sweet here. <laughs> so he is Warwick Sweet. Um, is that but... how you got your name Premier in? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, thank you very much. Try the meal. Um, uh, Brian, what about, what about this, this attitude to European rugby? Uh, great time, obviously, for English clubs at the moment. They've done well for last season, as, uh, as, as Hal has pointed out. But what about the Irish provinces? Are they, are they falling back in love with European rugby? Yeah, I think it might have been a little bit misinterpreted. I think the change of the tournament coincided with a change in fortune within the provinces, particularly Munster and Leinster. Having said that, the first season of the, of the new tournament, Leinster did get to a semi-final. Very disappointing last year. None of the provinces for the first year ever <clears throat> managed to qualify for the quarterfinals. So that sent out alarm bells. You get a sense, though, that there's a bit more enthusiasm. There's a, um, a bit more excitement surrounding the, the hopes and chances of our provinces this year. And it's really about that. We want to be competitive. The, the old Heineken Cup was very good to us. I think it was five trophies won in seven years. So, of course, the Irish didn't want too much change from that. But realistically, shorter team or less teams, um, you know, more competition. It is a better competition and it's just tougher to win. So, um, listen, the Irish provinces will give, be giving their absolute all this time around because it is about Europe. Pro 12 is important, but Europe is everything. Brian, happily listing off all the Irish victories in, in Europe. Uh, not really the case in Wales. It got close here and there. What needs to happen in the competition for Wales? I think, you know, obviously qualification from the Pro 12 is the top six and uh, the Scarlets are the only team in there this year. Um, and we, it's, for us, it's about, you know, testing ourselves against the best team in Europe. It's one of the hardest uh, club competitions in world rugby. And, you know, to be there and to, to up, go up against the champions in our group, you know, it, it's a tough, uh, tough ask. But the Welsh teams love playing in it because it is it's a, such a great tournament. It brings so much out of uh, fans love it as well. James, you're a big fan, obviously. And people talk about players talk about it being like test match level, don't they? Yeah, of course. I think you know it's it's the next next best level to uh, international rugby. So um, you know to be a part of it as a, as a group of a group of scarlets, you know it's really special. And um, you know hopefully we can do do better than we did last year because obviously we didn't do that well. So um, yeah, hopefully that goes goes our way this this year. European Champions Cup starts this weekend and Glasgow had the honour of hosting the first game. What does their coach, Gregor Townsend, make of the opposition? Leicester Tigers. They've got an excellent line-out drive. We've, we've watched them a lot this season. Um, they, they got back into that Gloucester game, a terrific game at the beginning of the season through the line-out drive. They, they've shown in other games that uh, if you give them lines to the 22, they're, they're going to be very good. Very good scrum with the international players they have there. Very tough for the breakdown. They've evolved their attack. Um, Adam Major's bringing in a new way of playing, a new attack shape. They've brought in players to help facilitate that. Some great back three players. The signing of Matt Tamua is obviously to get another receiver out there that can uh, make good decisions if they're moving the ball wide. Uh, so no, we, we, know, we know how good Leicester are. And um, whether, whether club form has been good or bad going into Europe, we know they'll be hugely focused on doing well in Europe. Well, Gregor Townsend, he has a reputation as a player, Brian, of being expansive, being imaginative, almost mercurial, and, and he's trying to create that and get the feeling with Glasgow, but it begins and ends, it has to with them, of being able to match Leicester Tigers. But at the, time, at the moment, are we seeing two teams who traditionally were strong up front just struggling a little bit now? 
Yeah, I think with Leicester, it maybe feels as though they've lost that identity a small bit, but they're also trying to play to their strengths. They've brought Aaron Major in. He's a great thinker of the game, and they've got their outside backs that are capable of playing that brand that he wants to, but they don't want to get away from that confrontational side of Leicester that we've grown to know and love. I think with Glasgow, they were very disappointed in not being able to retain their Pro 12 title last year. I just feel that they could be the unknown quantity or the underrated team that might come good, even a really difficult pool with, with Munster and Racing. But um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see because uh, Gregor's finishing up at the end of the season, going to Scotland. So, you know, finish out in the high would be lovely. I mean, it's a huge badge of honour for Glasgow. One, the opening game. I mean, that's just a fiction. But their coach being told you are going to be the national coach. Lawrence, it's, as I say, a badge of honour for Glasgow, but they're leaking tries. Leicester Tigers are leaking tries. Is it purely that the defence isn't set up right? We know that Leicester have just got rid of their defence coach. Yeah, I think there's more of an attacking mindset amongst certain teams. I mean, obviously, the Glasgow players have got a great incentive to go out there and perform because uh, they're, they're even closer to you know, getting into the Scotland side. I've watched a lot more of Leicester this season and certainly there's a contrast in styles. They're type five forwards. We're used to defending close to the rucks and malls um, where they're a bit more comfortable. I think with Aaron Major, sometimes... You know, when you, when you, the way New Zealand players like to play, you just drop back into spaces. And I think what we're seeing is certain players, type five forwards, getting caught out in the open spaces and, and leaking a lot of points. And that'll be an area of concern. Leicester have dealt with that. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, defensive coach has lost his job. And I'm sure now the Champions Cup's there, they'll be a lot tighter. Another area of concern is the back row. Mike Williams injured that broken arm. It was a warm up in the match to hit Tamua. It was such a terrible accident. You know, what are you going to do about it? But uh, it, it's a strong point for them usually, but, you know, not quite right now. They've got the guys there. They can't afford any more injuries. No, they haven't. I mean, that's very unfortunate. It's the third time he's broken his arm, Mike Williams, and he was on the verge of getting picked in that England side. So uh, on the plus side, they've got, I think, Tamua may start at, at yes. 12 this week. Um, so that'll give them something different. But, uh, you know, they've, they've got their fair share of injury. They've released a lot of players in the back row. So... Uh, but of selection issues for Richard Cockrell going into that first game. Very interesting moment in the Pro 12 launch in Dublin during the week. And Razi Erasmus, who's the new director of rugby at Munster, said in front of all the journalists, and you don't hear guys who are down in Munster say this very often, he said, people are probably looking at the pool and you're always looking for the weak team. And he said, I looked at that pool and I thought, you know something, Munster, us, we're the weak team. You never hear those kind of messages coming out of Munster, do you? Yeah, it's a very un-Munster thing to say. I think they always put their best foot uh, forward and, and they've, they've rarely been in that situation. They've always felt as though there's some lesser team below them where they'll pick up easy points. But all of a sudden, do they, does he genuinely believe it? He must do so if, if he's saying it. I think he's probably trying to take a bit of pressure and expectation away from the crowd as well. He's definitely in a building phase. It's not going to happen definitely for, for him in year one. Well, I think he's just sowing the seed that it's going to take a couple of years and you know, be patient with him. I think in Ireland, we think the legacy of Munster still scares other teams. James, your thoughts on Munster at the moment? Yeah, of course. You know, um, like you said, Thorne Park, you know, it's one of the better places to go. It's one of the tougher places to go. Um, I think he's been very honest in saying that. Um, well, whatever he thinks, I don't think Munster probably are the weak link in that, in a, in that group. But... Um, you know, they're going to be tough to beat away and at home. So, um, you know, we'll wait and see what they do. There aren't many weak links, to be fair, are there? Really? Not too many. Interesting, this confrontation up against, up against Racing. Uh, Ronan Agar, of course, one of the assistant coaches at Racing. But a destabilising few weeks for them with allegations, maybe, of failed drug tests against Dan Card. They're all, the, the messages coming out of, of Racing are, it's nothing to worry about, but not ideal preparation. No, it's not. Um, 
you have to think that you know the individual involved there there must be an error of some sort um, that isn't you know the ownership of of Dan Carter's. I know the guy is as an individual and, and likewise Rocco Coco. So I, I, you just feel as though that you know something ha is amiss, but not on their side. And it's not ideal preparation. They they were losing finalists last year, and they would have high hopes of of trying to go one step further this time round. But yeah, it's um, it's it's very frustrating for them with that much pressure coming into the, into a new competition. And Raj was quite outspoken as well, wasn't he, about the whole thing? Ron Nagara, you know, he... Yeah, was, uh, I mean, he, he, the message from him was, you know, if something has been going on, it, it'll break his trust, it'll break his, his confidence in, in, uh, in wrestling. So uh, he clearly is going to be hoping that this yeah. is absolutely... Well, he nothing. said he'd walk. If there was anything in it, he'd yeah. walk. Um, can we just have a quick look at Pool 2? Uh, I want to talk to you all about Connacht. Um, a, about what they did last season, boys, which was incredible. It was a really romantic rugby story to see them win the Pro 12, wasn't it? I think everyone... Uh, by the opposition, uh, wanted them to win, really, and um, I think the brand of rugby they played, uh, they obviously caught a lot of teams out with, with the style they played, and probably if you look at their start this year, um, they've struggled a bit, um, but you know, their, their team, from look at last year, you know, they can take confidence from their performance, and you know, they could be a real threat in that group. Yeah, shaky start, but they definitely got better, James. Yeah, of course, you know, they beat Ulster at home last week, so... Um, you know, Ulster are going to be one of the better teams in the, in the competition this year, so that's off to the corner. Um, Lol, you've been casting your eye across all the news out in social media and all that malarkey. What are they saying? Well, we asked people to talk about the injuries in the England camp because we've been talking about it. Mark Gibbs, uh, first of all, says, in Eddie we trust. We must have tough camps to stand any chance of getting near the All Blacks. Just bad luck. Discuss. It's an interesting point, isn't it? I mean, you saw what the All Blacks did on the weekend. They are simply the best team in the world, so mm. they have to be England's target. I mean, only target. Yeah, although, although Eddie Jones has come out and said, you know, we're not trying to copy the All Blacks. We're trying to find our own way of playing and our own identity. I think what people have to recognise um, is that the All Blacks have, have a unique model. Steve Hansen, the coach, goes into all the super franchises at the beginning of the season and tells them how he wants the All Blacks to play. Uh, and they're basically told, you know, how to play. You know, Eddie Jones doesn't have that luxury, so when he gets the players in camp, there's a lot of organisation that needs to be done and there's a certain different level of intensity that needs to be set. So uh, I personally think it was just uh, a little bit of bad luck. Um, we'll just go on to another one. Um, was it Paul and Wendy? Jack Knowles' muscle tear sounds unfortunate, but for two players in camp to suffer fractures, that is not good. Um, no. So let's just remind people, Anthony Watson, fractured cheekbone. I think the, the, probably the slightly more contentious one is Sam Jones who's a young man who's in the England squad for the first time and he's been asked to do judo, which is not an exercise that he would necessarily do on a regular basis less than 24 hours before he's finished a game against Harlequins. I think that's probably the one that's caused a bit of uh, consternation. I just think all the years Leicester Tigers used to batter the heads off each other during the week in training. No one ever complained but when it, they're winning but, trophies, right? But it's, I mean, but it's not a day after a game. You know, sure. If those players were back at their clubs, they'd probably be you know, in ice baths, tucked up, having the recovery drinks. Um, so it's just a balance. And I think they're going to be speaking you know, heavily to each other and making sure it's collaboration. Hey, but Bilal, this is very nice here, I know, but on Saturday night we'll be doing this in a nice little wine bar in the south of France <laughs> because we're there for too long against Saracens. Bafes went during the week, though, for a little nose about the place and to chat to Mike Ford. This is what happened. Well, Mike, I always knew that at some point during the season you and I would probably sit down and have a chat. That's the way of it. I didn't expect it to be here in the south of France. Are you as surprised as I am by our location? <laughs> um, a little bit, yeah. I think... Um... I've spoken to Toulon twice, uh, you know, the president, Mored Bougelet, he likes the way Bath played and he wants an attacking game implemented at Toulon and, um, you know, wanting me to come and fit into the current coaching team. 
we've all been admiring Bath the way they play for the last few years. You know, we've all been saying how Bath is it's really good to watch in attack, it's strong defence. I think he, he's going to try to bring that to us and he really knows what he wants. So I hope we can all uh, take advantage of that. Let's talk about that journey. It uh, originated in Bath. Have you been able to put your finger on what, what went wrong? When you, when you first get the sack, it's, uh, it's your heart, it's your family heart, and um, it, had a, it had a big effect on me, what happened at Bath. When you say what went wrong, outside influences and getting to your subconscious, well, why are you not playing well? You know, you were brilliant last year, and people try harder, we were grabbing at the ball, we were grabbing at everything instead of relaxing and playing and having fun. What experiences from those last few months do you bring to Toulon and say, right, I'm going to, I'm going to use these to make me stronger? You know, I'm, I'm confident in my ability to coach. I'm, I've stripped away everything that's non-rugby now. You know, five, six weeks after the second of Bath, I didn't even want to coach again. And now, you know, now I'm here and I'm excited again. The big thing with Mike is he's just very direct to the point and, you know, this is the sort of shape that I think is going to work and these are the, the running lines you guys need to be doing. And, you know, we all bought in and did them and, you know, two from two. So it's, it's uh, I think they're, they're fitting in quite nicely. You're not the alpha male, that's Diego Dominguez, that's his job, he's the, he's the main man there. How do you see that relationship, that dynamic working? That's good. I, in some ways, um, I've been forced on him. It, what I, he didn't go out and say, get Mike forward, it was the, the president. That's the way I think things are done in France and um, I've, I've got to earn his trust. Yeah. It's working pretty well. I, I enjoy sort of their coaching styles. It's a good balance of sort of um, characters and we're starting to play that Toulon rugby, our style of rugby, an attacking style but still, you know, playing the percentage game. Is it taking a while just to get used to this different attitude, different approach? Because it is, it sounds obvious, it's very French, isn't it? The motto at Toulon is here things are done differently. The old training facility is owned by the council. We don't pay anything and they have two part-time <laughs> 60, 70 year old men who do the ground when they think they need to. But in some ways, you know, the rough and ready bit, uh, just rolling your sleeves up, getting stuck in bit, you know, I quite like that. And is that maybe one of the big advantages of, of you being at Toulon is that you're, you're taking on Saracens week one, then you have Sale. Teams that you know inside out. We've got a meeting today. We, we believe that Saracens are the best club in Europe. It's going to be very, very difficult to beat them. That's a really fascinating chat with him. He's very relaxed, very comfortable. You can see the extended version of that interview on Sport in Focus. Mike Ford, a new chat on Saturday at 2.30 on BT Sport 2. He, he's he, beginning to look like Guy Novet. He's slowly morphing into a French dress. I was really hoping Disney. he'd come down to the beach dressed in his coaching game, full-on red. It was a full-on Baywatch look. But sadly, he, he didn't go for it. Didn't go for it. But you got on well with him. He seems happy down there. Good. I, I, what's really interesting, I mean, it's, it's weird. The first thing he said, you know, as far as Toulon is concerned, their, their motto is, ici, tout est différent. Here, everything is different. And he said it is. It's just bonkers. You know, Diego Dominguez is not a particularly experienced coach and he's now stepping in, but he is just responsible for coaching, nothing else. And that, you get the feeling he's got back to his roots with that. OK, should we have a little look at the pool and then we yeah. get talking about this? This is uh, how it looks. Um, they're all very difficult pools, of course. It is Toulon, Sales Sharks, Saracens and, of course, you guys, the Scarlets. Uh, let's have a look at a little bit of form, shall we? And we'll start with Toulon. It's, uh, it's been interesting, you know, a little bit of hit and miss with them, but we're getting used to French teams not really liking it on the road too much. I think two losses there, I can't read that, Brian, you probably can. Uh, and uh, a loss at home as well. As for Saracens, well, just that one blip
chip against Harlequins, and that just came from absolute grit and huge defensive work from from Harlequins. They're really, really good that day. Um, as for Sale, well, nobody really likes to go and visit the AJ Bell at the moment, and they're enjoying themselves, Sale, at the moment. A really difficult place to go and visit. As for the Scarlets, lads, I want you to explain uh, this form to me, because it's a little odd. Three, three losses, three wins. Discuss, James. Um... Yeah, so I missed the first game, so I'll, I'll be <laughs> 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 yeah. um, You know, we're trying to play a different uh, style of football this year, so, um, you know, I think we're still getting used to that. And uh, you look at the form, the first three losses, I think, and then the next three wins. Um, we're still trying to learn and, you know, we're still trying to get better. But, you know, last three games, we've won all three, so hopefully we can take our momentum into Europe. Just a slow start, Jonathan, was it? Yeah, we were getting a lot more comfortable in, in the new system that, um, you know, Steve and Wayne wanted to play. And, um, you know, it does take time. And, you know, you look at our squad, you know, I think you know, we're an exciting bunch of players. And, you know, once we get uh, comfortable with everything and, you know, we want to play some nice rugby and, you know, hopefully we can do that now coming this weekend. Brian, interesting, talking to Mike Ford, they realise the pressure on Toulon is enormous. Taking on Saracens at home, it's a game they feel they have to win that one. They have to, because if they don't, the pressure on them through the rest of the pool games is enormous. Yeah, year on year, we always talk about how vital it is to win your home games, particularly when your opposition or Saracens, the reigning champions, your first game at home, get, get off to a good start. If you don't, you're immediately on the back foot. And there's no doubt, you look at uh, you know, the AJ Spell uh, Stadium, uh, Sailor difficult there. The boys, I know they had a fantastic uh, record in Party Scarlet last year. So. People are going to take points off one another, so you must win your home games. And Toulon will be looking for a big performance because Bujala only expects winning of, of, um, of Champions Cups. He doesn't expect, uh, expect you know, knockouts in quarterfinals. What can you do in the pool, lads? What can you achieve? I think you know, we're fortunate we have a home game to start with. And you know, like we can take our four men, build momentum, and then we've got Saracens away. Um, I think we're the, you know, it's going to be tough, but in the past, we've, we've shown we can go to places that look pretty formidable and get results. I think. When I was at the Scars, we went to Northampton when they were high-flying and got a bonus point victory away from home. Um, so something like that would be great to do again. <laughs> a lot of Scarlet's fans here tonight. Are you confident, Scarlet's fans? Yeah. Oh, yeah. thank yeah. goodness for that. Right, OK. Note to self, don't ask that question again. <laughs> Brian, Paul Four uh, and Leinster, your boys uh, in, in this one. Let's have a look at the, the teams of Castra, Leinster, Montpellier, of course, qualified for this, having won the Challenge Cup, beating uh, Harlequins, of course, last season, and the Northampton Saints. We've discussed them. They're looking to try and get things going again. Um, but what about Leinster, uh, one of the great names? Um, are they in a better state going into European competition than Munster, who we discussed earlier? Yeah, I think they are. Uh, just watching their form over the, the last few weeks, I think you know, Graham Henry came in during the summer as in a bit of consultancy work, and now the signing of Stuart Lancaster looks as though it's had a real impact on the squad. I think we have quite a, a, a in Leinster, a, a very, very un, inexperienced coaching ticket in Leo Cullen and Gervin Dempsey and John Fogarty. You know, maybe a year or two's experience between them all. So to bring Lancaster in, I think, was a very smart move. And defensively, in particular, I've noticed a massive difference. But also in attack, they're getting into shape an awful lot earlier. And I think the, the Leinster way, I think the Leinster fans would be happy if they don't win playing that old brand. 
It's just last year it just felt like a bit of a capitulation. So they need more than they got last year, and I think they will get that. Let's talk about a real treat for all rugby fans out there. The 10, 12, 13 axis at Leinster. Uh, young guys, bar Johnny Sexton, of course. But uh, the centres look absolutely awesome. Tell the world about Gary Ringrose before his, his rugby tells the world about him. Yeah, like this guy, for me, I think he should have already been capped at this stage. Um, you know, he looks like a very, very young guy. He looks quite wiry, but he is powerful and he, he just has a brilliant skill set. He's, he's, you know, he's quick, um, you know, rangy. He's, he is very physically strong, you know, uh, despite what his frame looks like. And I, I just love the combination with Ro- Robbie Henshaw we saw for the first time last week. I just think they have the potential to be the Irish centre pairing for many, many years. And along with you know, the current out half and Jonathan Sexton, it's a very, very exciting three-quarter line that I'm looking forward to watching a, a huge amount more over the coming weeks. Uh, Babes, the uh, flanker there wearing the red scrum cap. He wears a red scrum cap because I know you asked me earlier because that was his old school Wesley. Okay. Josh van der Fleer, the guy is seriously talented, isn't he, from what yeah. you've seen? Yeah. yeah, he is. I mean, how important, Brian, is it when, you, when you're trying to get a team back that you have key men, we talk about Gary Ringrose, Josh van der Fleer as well, do you think these are people that we can build a team around now for years to come? Absolutely. I think coaches are thinking in the, in the here and now, though. You know, They don't have the, the, the luxury of, of four years to worry about the development of the team. So he's looking at over the next few weeks. But guys like Josh van der Fleer are coming through. Like the, the strength of the back row in Leinster is phenomenal. I think there's seven internationals sitting there. So there's guys that have international caps that can't even get into the 23, which is a lovely place to be. But it means that you know, others are going to miss out. And there's lots of teams out there that could do with a couple of uh, our open sides. And, and not a project player. A lot of people hear the, this name and think, well, that's not Irish, he's a project player. You talk about his old school. This is, he is absolutely oh, yeah. come through the system. Oh, he's yeah. great. And he's exactly what Joe Schmidt wants in a seven. He's a really hard ball carrier to the line. Again, not a big guy, but he carries you know, far, far bigger than you know, his size would you would have an appreciation for. Have you seen much of them, Lawrence? Have you heard yeah, of them? Yeah, I have, yeah. I mean, they've, they've got huge strength in depth there. I mean, uh, you know, Leinster went through tough times last year and, uh, and the year before in terms of their, what they were doing in Europe, but uh, they're certainly getting back to winning ways. And it's a tough group there with Montpellier and Cast as well, but uh, I'm expecting big things from them. Pool five, yet another interesting pool. They're all kind of interesting, but this one's quite tasty, place, isn't it? Well, this, guys, when we look at this one, Claremont, obviously, John, you know that very well, Bordeaux, Exeter Chiefs, Ulster. Um, so tell us about, about Clemo, because we look at this group and this is a difficult one to pick who's going to come out on top. Just give us an idea of how much hurt there is in Claremont that they haven't yet got the big title. So I, well, I played in the final that we lost against Toulon and... Sorry to bring that up. Yes, yeah, right. Um, and you could tell after the game, like to the boys that had been there for a long period, it would just hurt so much. And then go back to last year, not even qualifying on the group, that mishap uh, against Bordeaux. Um, you know, they do pride themselves uh, on their European record and they want to win it, they're desperate to win it and they want to compete. So I, I know this week their trainer will step up another level because it's not like a typical French uh, mentality where they don't really compete in Europe. The league is the main thing. They will be here to play this week against Exeter. Um, let's uh, talk about Ulster. Um, oh, sorry, no. James, go. No, go on. Go on. No, I was just going to say at least they've got a wrestling in there. <laughs> you see all the important well points. the other teammates surely you know. <laughs> um, I don't know if they're wrestling much up in Ulster at the moment because they're playing some pretty fancy football at the back line certainly they're looking really good there but the story that fascinates a lot of people outside of Ireland is the story of Ruan Pinar the South African has been such a talisman for them at scrum half
half, being one of the main kicker for so long as well. He wants to stay in Ulster. Ulster want him to stay, but due to IRFU rulings, he can't say. Explain why and, and what are your thoughts on yeah, this? So essentially the IRFU, are the, the quick, the quick um, story behind it is that the IRFU are the, are the superpower over all the provinces and they dictate when foreigners can come and, and go. And essentially what they're trying to do is not set a precedent where a foreigner can sign three contracts in a row. Ruin Pienaar has been there for six years. And over the course of that period of time that they thought that a scrum half would come through and be able to get the, the know-how from, from seeing him at training and playing to be able to get, get into the, to the Ulster team. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened. They're going to have to change tack and, and, and he has to move on. So it's, it's very unlucky for Ulster, but um, I think we're going to see it in the other provinces too. Good idea, you think? I think it probably is. You know, Ulster fans won't, lo won't love me for, for saying that, but I think it probably is because historically Ireland have struggled with scrum halves. We don't have a huge you know, backlog of, of tremendous scrum halves. We had some nice players, Conor Murray cur currently, but beyond that we need other scrum halves to come through the system. Okay, well we're going to ask you guys now to put on your coaches hat. Lawrence, you are going to be Rob Baxter, you're going to look at extra Chiefs. And, uh, and Brian... I'll be you, John O'Gibbs. You, you are, you're going to be Clermont, and you're going to examine how each team is hoping to beat the other. Well, let's do that. We've got two sides that obviously is our big game of the weekend, and these are two sides that know each other, you know, exceptionally well. Um, I'm going to look at Exeter and obviously Rob Baxter. They've got off to contrasting starts this season, Brian. You know, Exeter only winning two games out of six, and obviously Claremont flying high at the top of the top 14. So, you know, for me... What I love about Rob Baxter and Exeter is that they won't panic. You know, they won't, they're not happy to be in this situation, but they're certainly not panicking. And if I was him, you know, they've got to have confidence and belief. I can hear him already saying, this is a game that we really need. It's coming at the right time for us. We've beaten them last season, 31 points to 14. And they've got to have that belief that they can win. And that's the big thing from last year. I think when, when you're struggling in one competition, sometimes it's lovely to break into a, a second one and it's almost a fresh start for you. But I do think they'll look back to last year and that home performance. It was an exceptional performance. Both sides, when they were at home, had, had bonus point victories. So, yeah. you know, they'll definitely feel as though they have the upper hand in this one. I think the difficulty for, for Exeter, when we look at their game plan, obviously we know when you take on the top sides, especially the French sides, your set piece has got to be absolutely strong. This is incredible. You know, it's, for those who watch the Aviva Premiership, it's not unusual, but the amount of game time, possession time that Exeter have, I mean, three like, quarters of the match. It's like Barcelona playing, you know, it really is. That's the equivalent of, of that much possession. It's impossible to win a game at 26%. They obviously have huge amounts of carries uh, and metres made. The one big problem area for Rob Baxter is the injuries. Dom Armand in the back row, Dave Ewers, obviously Jack Knoll we've heard about with England, um, you know, Phil Dolman, um, I think Chudley's thing is possibly out injured. Slade may be starting on the bench as well. So they've got a lot of injury problems and a lot of selection issues. For me, though, they've got to stick to their strengths. This has been a real key area of their game. They're driving more, as it is for so many sides. When they dominate possession, they get a lot of penalties. They kick to the corner, sometimes not kicking at goal. And that's an area which I think they'll continue to look to target Claremont. With the conditions at Sandy Park, can be playing into a strong wind or playing with the wind. I think the kicking game is really important. They've got the option of uh, Steenson with the right boot and obviously Slade coming off the bench if he starts there with the left boot. And I just think they're going to have to use the kicking game against the really physical and well-organised Claremont defence. I think you're right. And, and as you mentioned at the start, I think Claremont are a team you know, that have huge experience in this competition. They, they've started the top 14 quite, quite nicely. They're sitting up a, a, at the top of the, of the leaderboard. Um, and I, I think a few really key points that, they, that they'll be looking towards this week Number one has to be set-piece. Yeah. How often do we talk about teams getting their set-piece right? Last, uh, last weekend, they were playing Toulouse at home and their scrum was sprinting backwards. Mm -hmm. John O'Gibbs, an old coach of mine, 
I'll know he'll be very unhappy about that and they'll be setting a real target to make sure they have a good platform. Equally, their line-out hasn't been brilliant, much the same as last year, so they'll be looking to improve that. Morgan Parrott, their little general, the guy yeah. has been exceptional for them for years, just hasn't, he hasn't probably achieved as much as he should have. But 94%... Not bad, is it? Of a, I think that's only a couple of misses in eight games. And that's, it, that's all you know, taking on board that they score, uh, on average, over 30 points a game. So if you give, a, give away a penalty anywhere in your own half, he's, he's liable to knock it over in the current form. And, you know, kickers are, are, are like everyone else. It's, it's about confidence and it just is in the groove. And if you, if you, if you give a you know, penalty away 60 out, Scott Spedding can step up and he can knock them over talk, too. Talk to me about this experience thing. Is this a help or a hindrance? Because they're a team that have suffered it. You know, yeah. they've, they've lost finals. They've got to semi-finals. They're the bridesmaid, not the bride. Is yeah, that... I'm with John with this, and I can understand their, you know, their pain. You know, say for last year where it was, you know, it was a bit of a, a joke the way that they managed not to find themselves in the knockout stages. But if you take their experience over the last five years, two finals, two semi-finals, and that mess up last year, you feel as though the teams that constantly knock on the door eventually do get let in. They yeah. do have a bad history in finals. They've only won one top 14, not yet managed to do it in Europe. But I feel that you know they're there, thereabouts, and they'll definitely be in the knockout stages. Right. Uh, then uh, exit, kick, uh, exit kick game is huge. Um, Spedding, you know, fantastic player to have right footer there and, 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 and a left footed out half in Camille Lopez along with, um, along with Para from nine. So exit strategy is going to be really important. Like I said, about not giving away penalties, making sure you get possession and territory down with a good kick, ca- uh, kick chase down in the opposition half. So watch that guy if he's playing at fullback. To, to get rid of the ball and not play too much with it uh, in his own kind of red area in his own 22. And then finally, the, 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 one, the one last uh, thing that I want to look at. We don't know yet who's going to start at 10, but uh, Steenson, as, for, for as fantastic as he's been going forward mm. in recent years, he, he is uh, and does struggle in defence. They try and hide him in the backfield yeah. on set play, but teams are now liable to pick out Gary Owens and put them on top of him and get him, you know, get him knocked over. So 65% is simply not good enough. You'd expect your players to have a less than 10% miss rate. 35% won't do. And Wesley Fofana and, and Fritz will be running at him all weekend. So these guys got a win each in the, in the corresponding fixture last year. Are you backing Clermont to, to take Exeter? I think just with the injuries to, to Exeter this, this, this week, I just fancy Clermont to edge it. Loads of Champions Cup action this weekend, starting in Scotland, Glasgow against Leicester, Friday, 7 o'clock, BT Sport 2, and on 4K, ultra-high definition. And on Saturday, we have three games for you. We start Toulon against Saracen, but Stad Felix Mayol, 2.45 on BT Sport 2. Then we have Leinster against Castor from the RDS at 3 o'clock on BT Sport 3. And then Parker Scarlets, as Scarlets take on the Sale Sharks. That is 7.30 on BT Sport 2. And on Sunday, we look at all the action and we round things off as the extra Chiefs take on Claremont. That is 5.15, BT Sport 2 and 4K UHD. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back again next week with the Todd Blackadder special. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.